2 Chronicles chapter 5. We're going to read a few verses beginning in verse 11. Let's begin reading here. And it came to pass when the priests were, gone, were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding the trumpets. It came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to, the, to, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Amen. What a wonderful, beautiful account we have in the Bible. These aren't fairy tales. These aren't stories. They're not myths and legends and tall tales. This is what happened. We have the history of it written here in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And I say what a beautiful account. What a beautiful description and God, that God has given us in, in His Word. He's given us this example of His people responding to Him by faith in obedience to seek Him, to worship Him together. And I think it's very important. We see the people of God in this instance coming together. And the Bible tells us now all these things happened unto them, the good and the bad, unto Israel for examples. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. That, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends, ends of the world are come. And so there's something God has for us in this Old Testament account in this temple worship and so forth, in these Levitical priests and priesthood. Our church right now, here's what I believe God's given me for today. Our church, Cornerstone Church, like so many other local assemblies at this time, are not able to get together physically. We're not able to, to gather together and shake hands and hug each other and have Sunday school and eat donuts and drink coffee and fellowship and worship together physically. We're not able to come together and praise the Lord. But it's very important that at a time like this, and at all times, but I would say especially at a time like this, that the people of God need to press in hard to Jesus. I talk about that often. It's, it's a time that we need to press in hard to Jesus. It's not a time to let up. It's not a time to be lax and say, well, you know, we're just not gathered for church so much. God under, understands. He does understand. He also understands that, that we can press into Him right now to know whether we're gathering together as believers or not. We have to remember that there's a lot of places across this planet where Christianity is not welcome and it's under persecution. There are believers that have to, to worship in, in the most strenuous circumstances. They don't have the liberties. Often they might be worshiping the Lord by themselves or in a prison cell right now in this day and age. And so... We need to, as the people of God, as individuals, as families, as households, as believers, to, to press into the Lord, to press in close to His heart and into His Word, 
Can I tell you this, what you already know, but I just want to encourage you and myself as I say it, God is still God, even at this time, and He can still maintain the cohesiveness and the unity of His church. It's His body. We're His people. I don't believe that God would have us live in fear. I know He wouldn't at this time or at any time. That, oh, our church is going to fall apart. We're not together, so we're not able to worship. We're not going to stay close. We're not going to be a body. Our body's going to suffer. I don't believe at all that the body of Christ has to suffer. I don't believe our local assemblies have to suffer. I don't believe that Cornerstone Church is, is going to suffer, nor do we need to. We're not to live in fear of that. But I'll tell you what we do need to do. We need to, uh, we need to pray for this body and other local bodies. We need to pray for our churches and pray for this church that we would be strong, that, that we would stay strong, that we would actually be strengthened and be, quote, together, even though we're not together, but we would be together in one heart, in one accord, even at this time. We know that this, this season, and I will call it a season, it is going to end. And what I mean by that, the, the, the virus and, the, and its present danger, the quarantine that we're under as social gathering and so forth, it will pass. It may be longer than we think. It may be shorter than what some people think. But I believe it will come to pass. And when it does, I believe God will want to find us as His people. We are His people, amen. God will want to find us when the dust settles and when this is over and He's served His purpose. I pray that he's, his, his perfect will is accomplished through it. But when it's over and things return back to more normalcy for the, for the churches and so forth, God wants to find that we have increased. God wants to find that we have gained spiritual ground. God wants to find that we've grown in Christ, that we've matured in the faith, that we've our testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ has increased, that our, our love for Christ and for one another has increased through this trial and during this trial. And I would even say as a result of our pressing in close to the Lord through this trial. And so God doesn't want to see us, nor do I want to see us. And I know you don't want to see the people of God shriveled up, so to speak. You know, just picture something just shriveled up and, and, and dried up and, and, and weakened and, cut and, and decreased. God doesn't want to see us regress. He doesn't want us to see, go, see us go backwards as a body or as individual believers. The Lord is not limited by the current circumstances that are going on. We have to remember that. The Lord is not limited by the circumstances. He's not limited by... The restrictions we have on not able to gather together for, for church on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. He's not limited by that. The college and career group can't meet and have their Bible studies and so forth. God is not limited by that. He's not limited in what He can do, listen, in a life or in a church that believes Him and that trusts Him and is yielded to Him. Amen? He's not limited at all. You seek God. I need to seek God. We as a church need to seek the Lord. God is not limited. His hands aren't tied behind His back to where He can't help and save and, and work mightily in my life and your life and produce the fruit of the Spirit and give us revelations from heaven and help us overcome sins and walk in victory. God is not limited uh, to anything that He can do. He can still do now. This is strange for all of us. I admit that. I pray it ends soon. Amen. I pray it ends tomorrow. But God's not limited in what He can do. Listen to, in, to, in response to faith. 
to an individual that believes him and still believes him in the midst of what we're going through, to a church that believes him and is yielded to him and is seeking his face. Paul was in prison in Rome right at the end of his life before he was martyred for the Lord. The last epistle he wrote is 2 Timothy. He's writing to his young friend and disciple Timothy. And he says, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. He wasn't an evildoer, but he suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, speaking of his bondage in prison. But the word of God is not bound. And so we need to understand that we're, we're bound up in a sense. Maybe we're going, uh, uh, you know, wanting to get out of our houses and, and see people and we greatly miss each other and so forth in our regular routine of life. But God's word is not bound by any of that. He is not bound by any of it. He, Paul was able to minister in prison. Souls were saved as a result of his testimony for Christ. These epistles were written. We're still blessed by what he wrote in prison by the unction of the Holy Spirit. God's word is not bound by these physical circumstances. Amen. He said the words I speak, their spirit in their life. And so what the Lord has impressed upon me from this passage that we read. And we're going to go back and look at what we opened with there from 2 Chronicles chapter 5. But what the Lord has impressed upon my heart in this passage was the unity that we saw in the worshipers. We only read of a few verses there. But there was a unity among the people of God and the worshipers of God. And there, were, there was a unity in a godly sense. You know, people can be unified in an unholy Purpose. People can be unified or, and rally around uh, ungodly things and humanistic things and satanic things even. But these people were gathered together in unity as worshipers of Jehovah. And it was a beautiful picture because unfortunately, there's so many times in Israel's history where there was, there was sin and there was rebellion and there was uh, wicked kings and priests that weren't fulfilling their ministry unto the Lord. The priests weren't sanctified and separated and things were not as God would have it to be. But that was such a beautiful picture. We're going to look at it again where there was unity and worship. I'll give an example where, where people were unified in an ungodly manner. We know it. In Genesis chapter 11, in the days of Nimrod, the Bible says, I'll just read this if you're reading from Genesis 11, 1 through 4. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. You say, well, there's unity. They're together. They're, the whole earth is one language and one speech. Isn't that a great thing? And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to, let, let us build a city. They're, they're together, right? Let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. There's a problem here. And let us make us a name. Well, the only name that needs to be named is the name of the Lord God Almighty. Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. We know the rest of the story. It's not a story, it's an account. We know that God came down and saw this unified rebellion against Jehovah is the first time. Now, men had rebelled against God before. The flood had happened before this, and all flesh had corrupted itself upon the earth, except Noah and his family who found grace in God's eyes. Men had sinned and rebelled against the Lord before. But this was a unified rebellion, first that we know of in history, to actually make a name for ourselves apart from God. 
in defiance of the Lord. So there's a unity, but it's not a godly unity. But what we're looking at today, this morning in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, with the Levitical worship here in the temple, it was a wonderful thing. It was a godly thing. And it's a godly thing when the people of God come together according to His will. When God's people hear His voice, and by faith they come together and they do just what He says to do. They, we respond according to His will. When the people of God come together, y'all, with a singleness of purpose, that's why He has a body. He has a body over which He's the head. We're going to talk about it. But that He can work through that body the single purpose that He has at any given time and for all time. But when it's a wonderful thing when God's people come together with the singleness of purpose, a singleness of heart to obey God, to worship God, to approach the Lord in the way that He is He's given for men to approach Him, to serve God, to give to the things of God, of our time, our finances, our energy, our health, to give to the Lord. It's so, it's so wonderful when it's done God's way. It's so wonderful when it's the way that it's supposed to be. And there's a wonderful psalm. If, if you're taking notes and want to know, it's from Psalm 131, verse 1. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's a good thing, amen? How good? There's actually an exclamation point at the end of that verse. There's not an exclamation point at the end of every verse, but there's an exclamation point at the end of Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold how good and pleasant. This is a good thing. It is for brethren, the people of God, the men of God, the women of God, to dwell together in unity. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. Now listen, God saves men by His grace and then He calls those that He has redeemed in, unto Himself. So we're saved. And the Bible says in Philippians, we've been called with a heavenly calling to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus upon our lives. We're saved freely by His grace, by faith, as we put our trust in Jesus and His finished work for atoning of sin on the cross. We come and there's a call of God upon our life. Come and die to yourself. Come and live unto God. If we live, we live in the Spirit. We live unto God, crucified with Christ and raised in newness of life. But that God has a call upon those that He has redeemed. And He calls men, not just any old where, He calls men unto Himself. Everyone He redeems, He's calling to a personal relationship with Him. People scattered all over the world, washed in the blood of Jesus, every one of us is called into to Himself. And He calls men unto Himself, and then He places men and women and young people, whoever He's redeemed by His blood, He places us within His body. And the Holy Spirit gifts individuals as He sees fit, the Word of God says. And I just want to read this from 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit... Now understand we're talking about unity within the body. And unity in our worship and singleness of purpose and heart. For by one Spirit, that's unity, that's the Holy Spirit, are we all baptized, every believer, into one body. It's the body of Christ. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. And so, we see right there, Christ is not divided. Christ is not different over here than He is over here. And His body is not divided. 
And listen, y'all, he places men within the body, his body. Everyone that's saved is baptized into the body of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we have to understand that Christ is the head of his body. We're not just now left to ourselves. We're not left to the will of a pastor. Although I thank God for godly pastors as a gift of God and leadership. But Christ is the head of his body. If you picture a literal body, the head is the most important part. Christ is the head of his body. He is the authority over his people. He is the authority over those that he has redeemed and saved by his grace. And and the people of God have been graciously, he instructs us, amen, by his word. He lives in his people and praise the Lord, he empowers his people to actually walk out this life. He didn't just save us and pat us on the, on the backside and say, now go get him, tiger. He saves us and fills us with his spirit. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And the Holy Ghost resides in us. Our body is his temple. So he instructs us. Christ our head instructs us. He empowers us. He enables us to live with him and for him. And guess what? To live with one another in one accord. He enables us to do that. Sometimes it can be difficult, but he still enables us to do it. And He enables His people to properly represent Him on the earth. To represent Him to other men. I need to represent Christ to you. You need to represent Christ to me and to other believers. And we all need to represent Christ rightly to a lost world that doesn't know Him. He enables us to do that. He does not leave us to our own uh, capabilities or abilities or wisdom to do that. Now listen, when, when His people are one in Christ... It pleases Him. In other words, when we're functioning as one, when we really are, you, we are united in Christ, but when we're functioning and living that way, day to day, and walking that way today, it pleases Him. And then we see when God is pleased, then we see Him begin to move in that body. I'm talking about we're saved already, but if we want to see God move, we want to see God do miracles. We want to see the revelations and hear revelations from the Lord. It's when His people are unified and we're walking together in one accord under the leadership of Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit as He's pleased, as He sees fit. He begins to move and He blesses and Christ reveals Himself in and to and through that church. And He's able to do it freely because we're unified. He can do it and reveal Himself freely to a people that are walking together unhindered unhindered by divisions. Because if there's divisions and stripes and so forth within our body, God's going to have to deal with that first. He's going to have to reveal that to us. And we're going to have to handle it. We're going to have to grow up and mature as believers. And somebody's right and somebody's wrong. We all need to yield to Christ and what He wants and, and to come under that Lordship. But when we're walking together in unity, God is able to reveal Himself. And bring revelation and, and new things and deeper things and wonderful things into that body. In and to and through and for that body. He doesn't desire there to be uh, any division, any strife, any jealousy between people in His body. Remember, we're all part of one body and all made to drink of that same Spirit. It's not pleasing to God 
It's a sin when people within the body of Christ are jockeying for position, jockeying for places of prominence. So I just want to read this it's a, a, uh, from 3 John, verse 9. John says, I wrote unto the church. So he's writing to the church. I wrote unto the church. But Diotrephes, listen about Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them. Within the church body, there was a man. We, we have his name here. But Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. There was a serious division. There was someone within the body that was jockeying for position and coveted a position of authority and leadership that God hadn't given him. It wasn't of the Lord. And he wanted, he loved to have the preeminence. You know what we should love? We should love for Christ to have the preeminence over his people. That's what we should love. We should love for Christ to have the preeminence in our churches and in every service and in our homes and in my life and in my heart and in my mind. He's the only one that's worthy to have preeminence over anything worthwhile and certainly over his body that he purchased with his own blood. And so division doesn't glorify Christ, does it? Division among people within the body, that doesn't glorify Jesus Christ. Murmuring one against another within the body of Christ does not glorify Christ. Uh, being in competition with one another within the body of Christ doesn't glorify the Lord. Being cold or unconcerned for our brothers and sisters in the Lord does not glorify Jesus. We need to take an account to, to, uh, to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice like the, the Word of God says. Think about this time, this unique time in the history of the world, this unique time in the history of our country and in our churches with this quarantine with the virus. There are people we need to consider. We need to consider, not just pray for ourselves and I'll say, I hope I have enough money to make it through uh, if I'm laid off or if my hours are cut. Those are real concerns. God is going to take care of us, amen? But we need to consider others. We need to consider those that are uh, treating the, the sick and are exposed to them 10, 10 hours a day and so forth. We need to consider the elderly that aren't able to get out. We need to consider... Uh, just somebody's walk with the Lord to pick up the phone and say, I haven't seen you. We're not able to meet for the last three weeks or the last three months. How are you doing? Can I pray with you? Do you need something? And so God is not glorified when we're detached and unconcerned and cold towards one another, but when we come together as his body. And so it's of the utmost importance that the people of God be of one heart and one mind, that we be unified in Christ under the Lordship of Christ. Amen? In the truth. Now this is important. I'm going to, to continue this on another, another point here. In our unity, our unity is in Christ. And our unity is in the truth. It's not just any old kind of unity. It's not just any old kind of, of togetherness. The world does that. The world tries to bring unity for a cause and for a purpose and under a government and under a leadership and under a dictator and uh, economic plan, whatever it may be, a philosophical plan. But our unity as Christians is to be under the Lordship of Christ. Our unity has to be in truth. If it's not in truth, it's not really any unity at all that God's called us to. It's not any kind of unity. It's not compromise in order to make unity with another person or someone else who calls himself a believer 
We all ought to be on the Lord under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and under this Bible right here that we have. And so and the Word of God and the one Holy Spirit that's given to us all. There's this ecumenism, it's it's nothing new, but that's not unity. Bridging gaps that are uh, with man-made bridges that God didn't build and doesn't intend. That's not the unity that we're talking about. We're talking about complete submission and unity to the truth. And listen, not any old truth, what's called truth, but the truth, as the scripture says, as it is in Christ Jesus. That's the unity we have. Christ is not divided. So if we're all, all in one accord under the Lordship of Jesus, every member of that local body and every member of the universal body of Christ is going to be unified together. Amen? And so I want to read this passage. And we're going to get back to our, our scripture in, in 2 Chronicles in just a moment. But I wanted to read this from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation or the calling wherewith ye are called. We talked about it. There's a call of God in general for every believer. Called to be a disciple of Christ. Called to be holy. Called to, to represent Christ on the earth and so forth. And then there's specific calls of God upon our life to ministry and service and so forth. But we're all to walk worthy of the call of God and wherewith you're called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Now he's getting very specific. Forbearing one another. Who do we need to forbear? We need to be forbearing and long suffering and patient and kind and gentle and, and, and reaching out and bending over backwards. For who? For one another. In love. Or for each other in Christ. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. That's the capital S for Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. And so it's not just any unity. It's the unity of the Holy Ghost. He's not divided. And He is able to, to perfect this unity and to bring it about. So let's get back to our passage in 2 Chronicles. And I want to talk about it for just a few more moments. What, what was so beautiful about it? What was so glorious about it? Really, God's what's glorious, but how He blessed the people that came together. So what's happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, just for time's sake, I'll tell you, the temple, the first temple, Solomon's temple, that was built under his, his uh, reign as king. One of the first things that he did as king, David had had it on his heart to have a house or a resting place for God and for the ark. And God gave him, said, it's a good thing this is on your heart. And you're not going to build it, but your son's going to build it. Let's get the plans together. And so God gave David the plans and the provisions and all the materials and the workers. And it was all set. And when Solomon became king, the temple was actually built and completed. So that's what we're reading about here. The temple was completed. The Ark of the Covenant was brought into the temple where it was supposed to be, where God said it should dwell. The priests and the Levites at this time had properly sanctified themselves for the service of God, there was a way they were to be sanctified and set apart for the Lord. 
And the singers with their instruments were all there. They were dressed in white linen. All the priests, because at this time the priests, this particular moment in Second Chronicles 5, the, the priests were not uh, serving by course. In other words, normally they would have a rotation where certain ones would be on and certain would be off. This time there, all the priests were there and the singers. And it says with them 120 priests with trumpets. And let's look at verse 13, just the first half of that verse. So all that had taken place and more. It came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one. And we're talking about unity to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. We're just going to stop there. The, the, all the musicians and the, the singers were one. There were a bunch of people, but they were all one, the Bible says. It is a beautiful thing. It's a glorious thing. Not one in rebellion to God, one in submission to God, one in love for God, one in devotion to God. They were one in their sound. It says they all made one sound. The trumpets and the, the music and the cymbals and the singers, it was all there together. They're making that, singing that one song. They're making that one sound and they're doing it together. And you know what happened when this happened? When the people were as one and walking in obedience to the Lord as one. Almighty God was present. He's always present, but as far as His manifest present, Almighty God was pleased. How do we know that He was pleased? He, he lets the people know. He lets us know through His Word. He made known His pleasure. He made known His acceptance of them, of the people, of the Levites, of Israel at this time. He made known His acceptance and His pleasure that He was pleased with their sacrifice of praise. He was pleased uh, that and crowned it. That's the way that I think of it. He crowned the whole thing with, with His glory. And I thought it was very kind of the Lord to let people know, I'm pleased with this. Think about it in your own life, in your prayer time. If you're singing to the Lord, if you preach the sermon, if you're teaching a Bible study, if you witness to someone, if you gave a big offering, whatever it may be in service to the Lord, or just something private, and, and God is pleased with it. It's very kind of the Lord to let us know. So we're not walking through life saying, I wonder if God liked that. I wonder if God was pleased with that sermon. I wonder if God was pleased with the way I gave to that ministry. We, he lets us know. Here it was the Shekinah glory. The physical manifest presence of the Lord in the temple. But He lets us know because we have an inner witness from the Holy Spirit. He, 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 he's come to let us know that He's pleased with that. Pleased with what we did in His name. And we did it rightly. And we did it in one accord. But He made known His acceptance. And what He did is He crowned the temple with His glory. This was like the dedication of the temple. And after what we just read here, Solomon's gonna, uh, Solomon preaches a sermon. There's a dedication. There's offerings that are offered. There's feasts that are held. And God crowns it with His glory. He crowns their worship with His glory. He crowns their thanksgiving and their singing with His presence and with His glory. And I think what made it so pleasing to God is the fact that they were one. The Bible says they were one. They were one and they were doing it. They were one in singleness of heart and singleness of purpose and it was all for His glory. 
We didn't see priests jockeying for, for position, or this trumpet player saying, I'm better than that trumpet player. We see that they were one, and God was pleased with that. So let's keep reading. We started in verse 13. We're going to read 13 and 14 again. It came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, that's what they all said. There's a unity here as well. For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. This was the God's glory. This was the Shekinah glory of God. He said, I'm pleased with this. He did the same thing in the tabernacle in the wilderness when it was built and dedicated and the priests were sanctified and Moses had done what he was supposed to do. He was faithful in all of his house and God crowned it with His glory and His presence. The cloud fills the house of the Lord, verse 14, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. It's a wonderful thing. You know what I say to that is hallelujah. And you know what else I say to that? That is what we desire. That is what we should want. We're not Old Testament saints. We don't have a Levitical priesthood. Our priest is a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We don't have a physical temple. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we do desire the Lord in our midst, in our services, in our times of fellowship, in our times of prayer, in our service to the Lord, our giving, the ministry of the Word, the praise, the thanksgiving, and everything that we do. What we desire is God's approval. We desire God's blessing. We just sing a few songs up here. Pray that God blessed it, that He anointed the music, that it was truly for His glory. Everything we do, that what we're desiring is His approval, and He's kind to let us know. His blessing, His manifest present presence, His glory revealed. And He makes it evident that He's here, and He moves in power, and He's pleased, and He pours out His Spirit from above upon us. It may not be a Shekinah glory, but it's the glory of the Lord nonetheless. God could pour out a Shekinah glory as well. But it's what we long for in church. It's what we should long for as a church. Not that just our church grows in numbers. Not just that we uh, have a big ministry and make a name for ourselves. What's really eternal and of utmost value is that God is pleased. And He's pleased when we come together. Amen? This is what we saw with the Levitical priesthood and the dedication of the temple. They were as one. Their sound was one. They were one in obedience. It's what we long for and should long for in our church, in His church. Amen? And so I'll tell you a little bit more. We read Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity! Exclamation point. The next two verses of this, this psalm say, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And so 
the unity there, one of the things that we see is that God's pleased and, and it actually comes down. Whether it's the ointment that was anointing oil that was poured upon Aaron and it ran down from the top of his head, setting him apart for the Lord and, and representing the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life and it ran all the way down to his garments. Or whether it's the dew on Mount Hermon, it says it descended from above. One thing that we learn about this unity and also God's glory that comes down that it is from above. It comes from the Lord. It's not manufactured by men. It's not man-made. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? It's from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights. And so the Lord's glory came down. The cloud came down. It filled the temple in Solomon's day. His glory comes in our lives and in our services. And we should long for that. You and I must seek God and seek His face. And guess what else? We must seek this unity from Him. It's for Him. It's for His glory. It's for His church. You know how I believe it's going to begin? And we're, we're bringing this to a close. I believe that it will begin in my own heart. We're talking about unity of a body. Let's say a local assembly. And if that, that assembly is unified in Christ, then the people will be unified. And, and there's another local assembly over here with a pastor and leadership, and they're unified in Christ. And those two local bodies... Where maybe they're not physically together, but there should be a same unity there as well, that those believers should be unified. But it's going to start with the individual believer. It's going to start in my own heart and in your own heart, this unity. It starts with me. It starts with the steadfast love and devotion to Christ in my own heart and your heart alone. That I'm not divided. My heart is not divided. I'm solely and wholly His. I'm devoted to Christ alone. I'm gladly and completely under His authority. And I desire to be. And when I sin, and I'm still under His authority because I repent and I come back. And I ask Him to forgive me. But it begins in my own heart, an individual believer. A steadfast love and devotion to Christ and Christ alone in every individual heart. And then next, what we're going to see, what we'll seek after, and you and I need to do this, it starts in my own heart. I'm fully devoted to Christ. As much as I can be, as much as I can be at any given moment. Next, we will seek in our prayers and in our practice to walk in unity with our brothers and sisters who are truly saved, our brothers and sisters in Christ, because this is God's heart. This is His mind for His church and for His children. Amen. I want to read this scripture from John chapter 17, verse 11. Jesus said, He's about to go to the cross. He's with His disciples praying to His Father. And now I am no more in the world. He was about to go. But these are in the world, speaking of His followers. And I come to Thee, Holy Father. Keep them. Keep through Thine own name those who whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. It is very important to the Lord that they may be one. Not just that each individual is one with Christ and in unity with Christ, but he says that they may be one as we are one. And so it's important to the Lord. We saw it in, in the, the days of, of Solomon. The people were as one. The worship was as one. The sound was as one. And God blessed it. He crowned it with His Spirit. And He crowned it with His blessing and His glory. And so, y'all, that's going to start my own heart 
And I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray, God, how can I help bring unity to my body? How can I walk and live in unity with those around me? It can be difficult at times, but God will always help us. And we're going to seek in our prayers and in our practice to walk in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And in that unity, we're always need to, the way it's going to actually literally happen. We know it's by a work of God and by a spirit. But it's also going to actually happen as every believer prefers one another. That's what the Bible says. Is we esteem others within the body better than ourselves. And so note that we don't actually, we read it in the scriptures, we don't actually create the unity of the spirit according to Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 3. It's not an invention of man. We don't create the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. But the Bible says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So we're to keep it. It is something that God has given us and we're unified in Christ in our laboring. And that's what the word endeavor means. Endeavoring to keep it means endeavor means to use speed, to make effort. So there's effort involved. Not saved by works, but there's an effort to walk in unity and to keep unity within the body. Amen. Be diligent. This is what it means to endeavor, to be diligent to labor. So you can say, but labor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. A little later in that chapter, I mean, next chapter in Ephesians, it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Every believer is submitting to the other believers around them. There's a mutual submission to others within the body of Christ. Now, I'll say this. It's not submission to a lost person. It's not submission to others within the, the body of Christ who are walking in sin. It's not submission to others within the body of Christ who are exhibiting self-will or they want to be a tyrant like Diotrephes did to have the preeminence. It's not submission to a false teacher or a false doctrine. It's not submission to a heretic or a hypocrite or the evil schemes and devices of men with certain men that may be within the church. But it's a genuine, humble submission to others in Christ. We're trying to serve God and we're trying to serve God and walk with the Lord. You know what I picture it as? It's pictured as uh, foregoing my own feelings, foregoing my own desires, foregoing my own rights, so to speak, in preference for others, for their well-being. And this is going to help bring such a unity. God's going to use that. Those are scriptures about submitting to one another, esteeming others better than ourselves, preferring one another. For with such sacrifices, it says in Hebrews, uh, God is well pleased. Amen. This is pleasing to the Lord. And so the reason I was thinking about this at this time where God impressed upon my heart is that we're and I'm closing with this, that we're not able to gather together physically. The doors are locked. We're not able to come to our churches. Whoever may be watching this, you're not able to go probably to your local church right now at this time and worship. But God doesn't want us to live in fear now or at any time that or we're going to be divided. We're going to be estranged from one another. But we do need to generally consider one another. We need to consider to, that we are called to a holy calling, and they were also called to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And, and we need to make that a matter of prayer. Pray for the unity of this body. Pray for the unity of other bodies. Pray that people, God's people are not fragmented. And, and uh, you know, you've heard it said before, a lone sheep is easy pickings for the wolf to come in and pick up. 
But when we're together, we're strengthened. We're not physically together, but we still can be together. Amen. We can be of one heart. We can be of one mind. We can be of one accord. We can be together in prayer and seeking the Lord. And though we're able to, to gather together physically, don't forget this. God is with all of us. The head, remember Christ is the head of the church. You're in your home and I'm in my home and so forth. And other believers where they are. But the Lord is with all of us. So he's with all of us and he can keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I'm closing with two scriptures. This is uh, in, in Paul's day. I'm sorry, this is in the, the early church, the, the day of Pentecost. And they were given a brief little synopsis about the early church. Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47. And they, this is a body, it's not just individual believers. They, those that were born again, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house that eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God. Does that sound a little bit like 2 Chronicles chapter 5? One accord. Praising God with singleness of heart and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I don't think they saw the Shekinah glory at that time, but they did have the crowning presence of God. He was saving souls. His signs and wonders were following the preaching of His Word. Thousands were being added to the church in a very short period of time. The dead were being raised. The blind's eyes were opened and so forth. And God was pleased. They were walking in unity. Amen. They were walking in unity. I'm closing with this scripture. Paul closes the epistle of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. That means mature, complete in Christ. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. The last thing he's telling the church at Corinth, he wrote two epistles. And the last little bit of the second epistle, he says, be, be mature, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. He's with us, church. Amen. We're not with one another, but God is with us all. And Father, we just praise you and thank you. Lord, that you're the God of all comfort. Thank you that you're with us. God, we are awakened to this, maybe just a little bit more this morning. Awakened to the, the, the importance of the unity of the body. It's of the utmost importance. That though, even though physically we're not together, that we be of one heart and one mind, that we prefer one another, that we submit one another in the fear of God. And Lord, that there would be unity. And God, in that unity, we would hear you. In that unity, we, you would speak to us and reveal yourself to us, God. It's pleasing to you that you would crown our church, that you would crown our lives with your spirit, with your presence and with your glory. And we would see your hand at work. God bless your people. I pray when all this is over and this quarantine is over and so forth and the economy and whatever's going to happen, God, I pray that your people through it all will be strengthened, not weakened, not diminished, but taken new ground in Jesus. We love you and we thank you. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for helping us, God. Heal those that are sick. Be with your people, God. Bless the finances of your people at this time, God. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging bread. He's ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. We trust you to be our provider. We love you, God. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.